Amen. Praise the Lord. We are so blessed to be able to sing like that. Thank you, Damien, for leading us in them, that, them songs. I'm going to start with a question this morning. Uh, we're all here, happy, smiling, and breathing. What would you consider to be the most important organ that you have? Heart. Your brain. brain. Okay. We'll talk about both of them here this morning. Just shortly. Yes. Thank you. Um, Back to our heart. What are we doing to take care of our heart? Open your Bible to Psalm 51. The fifth Psalm 51. And as you're turning there, you're probably... Well, I know where we're going here, but Psalm 51, I'd like to read verse 10 to start. Psalm 51, verse 10, David writing, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We're familiar with the psalm, a confession and prayer from David to God, and it's uh, for uh, pardon and cleansing for the sin that David committed. Then we get to verse 10, which I just read, and we see uh, it, it's a plea to God. And David's saying, I need a, a new heart. God, I want you to restore a right spirit within me. So obviously David was alive, so he had a heart, existing heart. And maybe we can say, we just get a little persistent here. He's saying, God, I want another one. And he tells God what kind he wants. God, this time I want a clean one. So we look at that. We say, well, what's wrong with David's heart? So hang on to that for a minute. We'll come back to David before long. And another question, what does our heart do for us? So, yes, the heart is a very important organ. And it pumps blood throughout our body, through the vessels in our system here. And it's supplying oxygen and nutrogen to the tissues, and at the same time, it's removing carbon dioxide and other waste. So this morning, 133 people here, your heart is pumping, and that's what it's doing. Another question, um, we're going to talk about the heart, but those of you who don't, who don't know who I am, I'm not a doctor, so I'll ask you, some que- ask you a question. As you look up here this morning, how many miles of blood vessels do you think you're looking at? And if you're not quite sure and you want to guess, I'll just give you a hint. Guess high. It's okay. I didn't know it before looking either. And then when I found out, I had to go to my wife. She's a nurse. And I said, is this correct? And she confirmed that it is. You're looking at 60,000 miles. So the earth is 2,000. 24,000, 8,850 miles around. So my blood vessels would circulate the earth 2.4 times. Not just mine, yours as well. Some look at each other and say, this guy's off his rocker. But that's, that's what they're saying. I think it sounds like a lot. But just think of your heart here this morning. Pump, pump. 60,000 miles. 
Now, there are some, can we say, body parts that God gave us that we do not need or we can live without. You may know someone who's missing some fingers or, or some toes. You might know someone who's missing an arm, a leg, an eye, or an ear. And obviously, uh, you know, might know someone who's going through life without their appendix. It's something that you and I were born with, but some of us can do without. But there, you, do, you don't know anyone that can go through life without their heart. So a little more in the heart. Consider your heart. We know it's pumping blood, but the heart is like the generator for your body. So consider your body as like a, a, a computer. So the brain, which Dan mentioned, the brain is uh, like the hard drive and the processor. Everything is stored there, memory, programs, and files. And also the brain sends signals to the rest of the body as well. But the heart is like the power supply, like a generator. And with, with, without a generator, the power supply, nothing else is going to work. The system won't even turn on. Your heart actually uh, creates actual, actual pulses that uh, run through your body, supplying energy to, to everything. And if the power supply is turned off... It doesn't just shut down like a computer ready to be rebooted at a later time. It, but if the power supply is shut off, the body is going to start to die. And the organs that we talked about that we have uh, need a constant supply of blood and oxygen. So our heart is a very, very important part of our body. So, but when our heart stops, both the processes of, of uh, blood and oxygen are going to stop and the body is going to begin to die. The body contains, keeps a certain supply of oxygen stored up. So, the, but the blood, on the other hand, needs to keep pumping. And that's why, in case of a cardiac arrest and heart attack, it's more important to keep the heart pumping through chest compressions than it is to provide mouth-to-mouth. Why? You've got to keep blood moving. The body can then go for a very short period of time without blood going through the, these vessels. Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Heart disease is the leading cause of death uh, in America. Heart disease kills 610,000 people every year. And if you get the calculator out, you come up with 1,671 people every day, 69.6 people every hour, little over one person every minute is dying because of heart disease. So what are we doing to keep our hearts healthy? Our heart is a very, very important organ. Some things that, the, that put strain on the heart is high blood pressure, cholesterol levels, smoking. That's the, your top risk factors right there. Other medical conditions are diabetes, poor habit, ne- neglecting exercise, and drinking alcohol. Things that put strain on the heart. So we can say, well, just stop for a second. Why is it so important to have a clean heart? Well, think about everything that stops working in your house when the electricity goes off. Many of you, some of you probably have backup generators. We do not. The electric goes off. Most things in our house are going to stop. The same way it is with our heart. If a heart stops pumping, we have an unhealthy heart, and a heart stops working, we're on the verge of death for when the heart stops man is going to die. So what are some things that we can do to maintain a healthy heart? And the first thing that's mentioned is a healthy diet. A poor diet is one of the worst things you can do for your heart. Saturated and trans fats can increase blood cholesterol and heart attack rates, risks. So we have to be so, so careful. 
salty and sugary foods increase blood pressure. We've got to be careful. So when we think about, about all that, did you ever hear the phrase, you are what you eat? And that's the notion that to be fit and healthy, you need to eat good food. So we've got to be so careful what we take in. And the second thing that's mentioned for, uh, to maintain a healthy heart is exercise. And then he also said in my research, followed by the need to quit smoking, which isn't a problem here, but so much enough on the heart. To tell you very quickly, your heart is a very important organ. We need to take very, very good care of it. So we're talking about the heart. Another question for you this morning. Um, back to, to David. When someone mentions the name David, tell me, what are some of the first things that come to your mind? A man after God's own heart. Goliath. Goliath. Thank you. Very, that's some of the, the top ones there. And uh, after what we're talking about, Ray hit the nail on the head. 1 Samuel 13, 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. Well, that's talking about Saul, which we talked about in our Sunday school lesson. Thanks again, Alex, for a good lesson. The verse goes, The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept the commandments, Lord thy God has commanded thee. Again, Saul. Acts 13, 22, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So we know David was a man after God's own heart. Now, one more question. I think this might be my last. This is a little bit, maybe a tougher question. What made David a man after God's own heart? Just think about it. Don't give me an answer yet. I'll give you a couple minutes to think about this. But what... We, I read two verses that say that prove that David's a man after God's own heart. But why are they saying that about David? For example, a truck driver. Why are we calling that? Obviously, because he drives truck. A dairyman. Why? Because he milks cows. A school teacher. And that's more in a physical sense, but here this is more in a spiritual sense. But why did they call David a man after God's own heart? We'll give you a few minutes. We'll come back to that. Do you remember why David wrote Psalm 51? Let's put that in a nutshell. So Saul was king, and in the process of time, Saul was killed in battle. And Samuel anointed David to be king over Judah, and a little bit later, also king over Israel. So David was also a man of war, and with the Lord's help, David had fought and had victory battle after battle after battle. So life is going well for David. The whole idea of running from Saul is a thing of the past, and David was becoming very popular and well-liked with all his, his victories. Then one day, David sent his men out to battle against the children of Ammon. He said, go fight the children of Ammon, and the reasons for some of this is not given, why he didn't go along, but David stayed home, and David committed adultery with Bathsheba which was the wife of one, of one of his best men. And after that, David's first response was to cover his sin. And if you study back in Samuel, which we'll get to shortly, it appears like it worked for a while. 
Then God came to, to, to prophet Nathan and said, go talk to David about his sin. And we know the story. David, Nathan approaches David, and he approaches him with, uh, with a story. And so Nathan sits down there with David. Nathan says, you know, David, there were, there were two men in one city. And this man here on my left was an exceeding rich man. And he had flocks and herds. Maybe could, that many couldn't even count. And also in the same city was a poor man. And this man, all he had was one ewe lamb. One little lamb. It was in the house with him. The Bible says, He drank of his cup and was like unto him as a daughter. Maybe some of you this morning have pets, and we know how close pets can, get, can be to us. That was kind of this, man, this poor man's pet. So along comes a traveler, and he, he came to the rich man's play, uh, house. And the rich man thought, said, well, I'm not going to take my flock to make food for this traveler. I'll go take the poor man's lamb. And he did. He took it, killed it, and dressed it, and fed his traveler. And before Nathan could finish the story, David, the Bible says David got angry. And he pronounced, he's, this is what he said, uh, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did that thing and he had no pity. I don't think David knew what Nathan was going to reply. And Nathan come back. And I'm not sure if he used his index finger and pointed at him or not. But Dave, Nathan said this to David. He said, you are the man. Second Samuel 12, verse 13, a little bit later on, I'd like to read one more verse. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. So that's a lot of information in a short period of time. But let's go back to the question. After that, that brings us up to Psalm 51, why David penned what he did here. But the question for this morning is, what made David a man after God's own heart? He was open to God's leading. Okay, very good. Thank you. Repentance. A few weeks, a few weeks, a month or so, two ago, I shared this at a church down in Maryland, and there was a lady sitting there, older women sitting there, and uh, after I asked that, she said, a couple of the people responded, and she said, she said, David's mother. And boy, I tell you, that, that makes you think a little bit. David's mother. Because I was thinking more what these men were saying. Uh, and she said, David's mother. But just, just stop a little bit and think about that. David had a father, Jesse, but David had a mother. And what David did, yeah, he made some choices, some decisions in life, and some choices in life. One we just looked at here, which he made, which was wrong. But think of the influence his mother had on him. Uh, Psalm 51 is a, a clear sign of transparency. David was, was open and clear with God. Um, and Psalm 51 is a sign of, of re repentance and submission. You know, I, I can picture David on his knees with tears in his, 
come running down his face, his arms stretched out to the heavens and saying, God, just crying out in, in desperate times for the sin that, that he had done. Crying out for, and let's read the first couple of verses, Psalm 51, 1 through 3. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Back to David on his knees, crying out for mercy, crying out for, we said mercy, which is a withholding of judgment. He's crying out to God, asking him to withhold what David knew he actually deserved. And he's saying, God, just hold, withhold that from me. Crying out and asking God to blot out his transgression. To, to blot out is to abolish or wipe away and destroy. So if you look at verse 1, he's asking God, just destroy the evidence, God. Is that where David was going? God, please make it go away. But somewhere between verses 2 and 3, David realized that the whole blotting out was not the correct way to take care of his situation. And David knew that something else needed to be done. So he goes on in verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And that thorough wash wasn't sufficient. Cleanse me from my sin. And there's a lot of beautiful verses here in in this psalm. But look at verse 3 again. Can we read it a second time? For I acknowledge my transgression. What did Alex say when it comes to what made David a man after God's own heart? He said repentance. David said, I acknowledge my transgression. What we see here is a must in repentance. David acknowledged his sin. He was fully aware of his marred condition before God. He admitted that he had done wrong. And what we see there in verse 3 is is a a heart where God can work, unlike a heart with closed doors. David's heart was open. He was ready for cleansing. And I feel like the heart that David's asking to be created, that he once created in verse 10, actually began to be formed back up here in verse 3 already when he said, you know, I acknowledge my transgressions. We sometimes... We hear the, the ABC to salvation, or admit, believe, and confess. But many times I feel like the A is the hardest one. It's just admitting. That's one of the hardest steps. But here David just is readily, ready and willingly admitted that he was wrong. End of verse 3 says, my sin is ever before me. David said, telling God, you know, God, uh, okay, he admitted he had done wrong. So there's no doubt there, but he says, I'm it's just consuming me. It's all he could think about. And he was sick of his filthy condition. It was, there's a lot of months happened between the time that David committed the sin and Prophet Nathan coming to him. But in, in that process of time, he had not escaped the sense of his sin. He said, it's always right before me. So basically, when he lays down to sleep at night, that's the last thing he thinks about. When he wakes up in the morning, it's the first thing he thinks about. I should not have done it. I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. David did his best to ignore it and deny it, but as a genuine child of God, he could not escape the fact that he had done wrong. And we could, the question could be asked, well, how much time passed? 2 Samuel 12, 14, how be it, this is, uh, Nathan is still with David, how be it, 
By this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born, I look at it as past tense, unto thee shall surely die. So according to that, David was dealing with this for close to a year, living with unconfessed sin, but in a miserable state as a, as a child of God should be. Let's read verses 4 through 6. David Moore, he says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. There we have some more acknowledgement. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And he said, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did mother conceive me. Behold, thou desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David understands that his sin was against God. He recognizes again what he had done. But he also recognized that though his sin, his sin was deep, God wanted to work deeply in him. God wanted a transformation. And David says to all the inward and hidden parts, how deep is this going to go? So that he would know wisdom. But he's still not done with his, with his cleansing process. He goes to verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. To purge literally means to de-sin. So back in verse 1, he's asking to blot out. Now he wants to be, uh, to be de-sinned. David wanted his sin to go completely away. And then we could say, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David recognized that God's cleansing will be effective. Although he also remember, knows that his sin left a deep stain, but he's aware that purity could be restored um, verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness, the bones that has broken may rejoice. And then verse 9, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. There in verse 9 again, he uses the word hide and the word blot out, similar to verse 1. And then we get back to, down to verse 10. If you can kind of get the picture where David was at, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So after all, the, could we say the surface cleansing was done and was taken care of? I see here David getting to the, the center of the initial problem, which is his heart. Also, David felt it wasn't good enough. It wasn't enough if God just simply cleaned up the heart that he had. That he wanted a new one. He asked God for a clean heart, creating me a clean heart. And uh, thinking of a clean heart, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Notice what God can do for us. And I also could say what God wants to do for us. doesn't want us to have stone hearts, but soft hearts where he can work. I picture David in this point in his life that the burden of sin was almost basically more than he could bear. And led him to the point to get rid of his old heart and look to God for a new one. So there was a change was taking place in his life. He was hiding absolutely nothing. He was completely open with God. And also another thing that we see here, that David saw his sin through God's eyes. And when he did that, he saw the desperate state that he was in. It takes you back to verse 4, against thee, God, and you only have I sinned. When you, when you examine some of these verses, it, 
it under, we understand why David was called a man after God's own heart. Did he do wrong? Yes. But look how he was so open and willing to take care of the problem. And sometimes in our human minds, we, uh, we rate sin on a chart. And so we'd say, well, XYZ is a small, insignificant sin, and we take that up to a big, gross sin, from big to little. We kind of had that chart in our minds, and I think we would agree that David did commit a sin, maybe a large one on our chart, but what happened is it led him away from God. Did you ever watch someone cut a tree down when they used a wedge so that they put the notch in it, start the cut, and then they check out the tree real close, can't go the wrong way, hit a house or something, so that, then they'll put a wedge in. And the cut's just small, and the wedge is small, the tree could be huge, but they pound that in, maybe if it's not enough, they take the second one, keep pounding, cut a little more, and eventually the tree will fall over. Well, sin is like a wedge in our relationship with God. Sin, well, it drives us away. And if we ignore it, eventually we're going to fall away from God. Little things make big, again, there can be big effects. And as maybe sometimes uh, we go through life and we, we try to justify our sin. And maybe even this morning we could say, well, I'm not as bad as David. But this is what we need to remember. And that is simply sin is sin. God doesn't use a chart to rate sin. Like I said, sometimes we do. God doesn't have a chart and say, well... Uh, he or she did, well, they're down here in the chart. God doesn't have a chart. Darkness is darkness. Sin is evil in God's eyes. And sin will take us away from him. Sin is wrong and repentance is required. What we need to do is, do we see wrong as God sees it? God never said that, oh, just use your chart, brothers and sisters, that'll work. No, do we see sin as God sees it? Do we need to ask God to create a clean heart within us? Are we open and transparent like we see David was here in Psalm 51? Are we tired of our past sin? Is it consuming us as we see that it did here with David? And then maybe also, maybe more importantly, do we desire a new beginning? I think David could have, well, as a man after God's heart, he could not have. But maybe some people can just cover and hide it and hide it and just push under the carpet, so to speak, for year after year after year. But are we willing to just to uncover it and to repent so we can move on. And maybe we should ask the question, well, what is an unclean heart? So go back to what I said earlier. If we are what we eat physically, doesn't the same hold true for us spiritually? What we take in goes through the brain, as we, we know about, in through our eyes, and, and it eventually it goes down to the heart. So the question with that, what are we reading? What are we looking at? What are we filling our minds with? And a very familiar question we ask many times, who are you listening to? What for intake do we have? Truth will lead us to God. Truth will always lead you to God. And anything else will corrupt our hearts and take us away from God and start driving that wedge there close to our, like a wedge into the tree. Anything that is in our heart that God does not approve of will make our heart dirty, and a dirty heart will not function properly. Take, for example, uh, a bunch of you have white shirts on. 
And take, for example, that you, got your, you went and purchased, purchased that shirt yesterday, took it out of the, the wrapper, put it on, it fits. Then you said, well, one more step before Sunday morning. You took it out to your shop and just put one drop of drain oil, just one drop, right, let's say right here in the front where everybody can see it. And what is one drop going to do? One drop. But if you show it to your wife, she's not going to let you wear the shirt. It's going to ruin it completely. But it's the same way with sin. David said, create in me a clean heart with no red, black stains on it. It's the same way with, uh, with the shirt no longer clean in need of cleansing. So I had to think back over David's life. And I believe he had a clean heart when he was younger, when David was tending his father's sheep, when he killed the lion, the bear, fought with Goliath. So we go back to that, age, that point in David's life, and well, he had a pure heart. And then the question comes up, but what happened? What happened? We're not given a lot of details, but were things going so well for David that he got bored with life? Think about it, battle after battle, victory after victory. And maybe David reached that spot, that spot in his life where he just leveled off. You know what? I'm this old now. I'm just going to stay right here and coast the rest of the way out. But that mentality quickly leads to complacency, self-satisfaction, and mainly pride. And while we're not told of David's actual root problem, the question for us is what would cause us to get into that relaxed mode, so to speak, in our spiritual life that we just stand back and begin to coast? I am 50 plus and now I'm, I, I fought the fight. I reached this level spot in my life. I'm going to coast the rest of the way out. What would cause us to get to that, to that place? But we also realize that life is a battlefield and we need to press on faithfully until we reach our home in glory. And I don't there is no time for complacency. Maybe this morning we're sitting here and we're saying, well, when I read Psalm 51, I didn't commit any sexual sin, so this, this is not for me. Remember we talked about a little bit earlier? Sin is sin, wrong is wrong. In God's eyes, it's all wrong. It will lead to unclean hearts. What about the sin of, of unforgiveness? How about the sin of bitterness? And a little earlier we mentioned pride, lack of submission. What about, as we saw in our Sunday school lesson, the lack of respect for authority? One of them verses had in leads to damnation. Understand balance there. But what about the sin of anger, filthy language, ungodly music? Would, is it okay if God sits in the passenger seat when you're driving down the road? How about obeying the traffic laws, which would be our government? And the list, list could go on. All unconfessed sin will lead to an unclean heart and a spiritual heart attack. A spiritual heart attack. We can't, like them wedges we talked about earlier, sin will clog our arteries. Sin will drive wedges in our relationship with God, and sin will cause us to fall away from God. Allowing sin in our heart uh, is allowing Satan a seat on the throne room in our heart. And when that happens, you're pushing the Holy Spirit out for there can't be two on one throne. Do we have that desire within us as David did in verse 10? Lord, creating me a clean heart. 
so that I can live in victory. And Satan is always there, you know, pressuring us for hard entrance through deception, lies, traps, and anything, he, any evil trick he can come up with. So that, that's Satan on one hand. And picture God, for example, just patiently waiting at, at uh, the heart of the sinner, maybe knocking, asking to come in. We say sometimes, who at my door is standing, waiting, uh, patiently waiting to come in? Is that God? And when we allow, he enters. And that, we look at this psalm here. David could have continued through life and died a sinner, but he allowed God to come in and to cleanse. We can allow God to come in and to cleanse us. We need to be intentional in our walk with the Lord. This doesn't come by default. We need to do our part. We need to fill our hearts with his word. And when our, when our hearts are full of the truth and of the gospel and full of the goodness of God, we're not going to have room for the evil that is in the world around us. Question for us, are we full of God's word? Are we intentional in our walk with God? And may we ask, do we long to be clean? As David longed here. And the last point, how can we create a clean heart? And it's not, it's not difficult. It starts with repentance. If there is sin within, like we saw here in David, we need to respond like David did. It starts with repentance. And then, yes, we can follow the steps that David took here. But what we have to remember, again, with God standing at our heart's door, God wants to create clean hearts in each one of us. God desires that. The question is, are we ready? Am I ready? Are we open? Open, And are we asking God, God, come in and create that clean heart within me? Look at verses 11 through 17. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Just more pleading here. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, it gets beautiful, then why teach transgressors their way and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite, which is a heart with feelings of remorse, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Does God drop the hammer of wrath upon us every sin? No. It's not the will of God that any should perish. Did David sin? David did. Did we? We did. But there is hope. We're living in a day of grace. God wants to create a clean heart within each one of us. Are we open? Are we ready? Are we willing? Lord, here I am. I, I am open to your divine direction. And I ask you, Lord, to create within me a clean heart. Wash me thoroughly. Remove the filth, sin and darkness. And please cleanse me and I shall be whiter than snow. It's a beautiful picture. We went from black to white. And it's this pure, pure in heart, oh God. Help me to be. If you're here this morning and there's sin in your life, don't despair. Go to God. It begins with repentance. Follow the steps that David took here. And be a man or a woman after God's 
own heart. Let's pause for prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning to say thank you that you are such a loving God. And Lord, you don't condemn us immediately when we, go, when we sin, but you have that desire within that each soul will be brought to repentance. And I pray, Lord, that there is sin in the camp today that it can be repented of and that we can all have that a pure heart Wider than snow, Lord, help me to be. And I pray that our lives could be pure as we go about each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for this psalm. Thank you, Lord, that David penned this for us. And I pray, Lord, that we can take the steps here as he took just to draw our hearts closer to you. Help us to be open, to be transparent, and to have that kind of heart that David was looking for. Lord, create in each one of us this morning a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. And I trust, Lord, that each one as they leave this morning could leave with that kind of heart, pure in heart, O oh God, help me to be. Thank you again, God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. A song, please.